hi and welcome to the Habits Habit Podcast, a podcast about habits, happiness and human behaviour. My name is Brian Conroy, I am your host. This week on the show I am chatting to Gavin Wall. Um, I won't go into it too much because Gavin explains it himself at the start of the interview, but Gavin is just, frankly, a very interesting guy um, who went from being a very successful barrister to being homeless um, to being a venture capitalist um, and a business owner and serial entrepreneur, um, podcast host, mentor, and all sorts of stuff. Um, I think probably there's more than one podcast in him, um, but this specific podcast focuses on the habits that led him to being very successful and the habits that led to his downfall and the habits that led to his uh, re-emergence as a successful entrepreneur and venture capitalist with The Change, um, trying to bring social good to Belfast and Northern Ireland um, through a social fund and venture capital fund uh really interesting guy i hope you really enjoy the chat if you do please do give it a thumbs up if uh you can or some stars or a nice comment or anything like that uh, for now though on this week's habits habit podcast this is gavin wall can you give me the, the the cliff notes guide to that like from what i see on linkedin i don't know if it starts at rags but there's certainly a riches yeah. to rags to riches uh, <laughs> element of your story and i'd be kind of interested just by way of background to to get that short summary of that and then we can explore the habits that might have led to the highs and lows and what we can learn from those sure brian okay just back of a cigarette packet um sort of synopsis of my life father-in-law successful lawyer in belfast i was really always an entrepreneurial person at heart from a very young age but eldest child went into the law two weeks before i qualified as a slizder my dad came home with a few drinks on board worse for wear and said son i'm taking early retirement you'll be paddling your own canoe Two weeks later, I was an unemployed qualified solicitor. I couldn't get a job with anybody else um, because they they thought I was going to go to Donnelly and Wall solicitors, my dad's practice, uh, which I knew I wasn't, but my dad hadn't announced his retirement. And we've never actually even talked about that conversation ever since. So I ended up selling car insurance and doing all sorts of different things. I then ended up as a solicitor in the civil service. When I was in there, if anybody follows me at all will find it hard to believe that I was ever in the civil service. I realized in there that, um, you know, I had a different spirit to, to, to a lot of people in there, some really good people, but a different spirit. I did a few entrepreneurial things on the side when I was a solicitor in the DPP's office in civil service. And then I switched to being a barrister. So I went back to Queens, uh, started building a property portfolio, which ultimately built up to 50 properties. Um, I, um, I sold one of those, got the money to go back to Queens, switched to becoming a barrister, went to the bar, was really successful there really, really quickly. was earning hundreds of thousands of pounds a year, doing really well. I had 50 properties, 2006. So they got everything you could ask for. I was driving Porsche 911, successful guy. And um, But do you know what? I didn't actually have the appreciation for some of the, the more important things in life, if I'm honest. But I, I learned a big lesson. In 2006, I bought four bits of land. And we all know if you're a person in Ireland and you bought four bits of land in 2006, we know the rest of this story. Um, there were personal guarantees on that. And by 2009, I was penniless. Um, no houses, nothing. Living in my sister-in-law's back bedroom with my wife and my newborn baby. 
Um, and we ended up in my sister-in-law's back bedroom for five years. We lived there for five years whilst we rebuilt our lives. And with a second child and then a third child came along whilst we, my sister-in-law must have been wondering what the hell's going on there <laughs> in that back bedroom. But uh, effectively, that's what happened. So we rebuilt our lives during that period of time. I had just left the bar um, before, just before the big, big crash came, sort of 2008. And um, to start a small entrepreneurial business, it was just a 400 square foot shop. Um, a, a, a little, the story behind it, very, very briefly, um, the story behind it, because some of this might come back into the rest of our conversation, was that it was a property play I had. It was a rented filling, petrol filling station with a 400 square foot shop. The guy sold illegal fuel from it. I was still a barrister. The guy sold illegal fuel from it. I got called up to the forecourt one day. Customs were on it, extracting the pumps petrol pumps from the forecourt and i said what what's going on here i said the guy's been selling uh, illegal fuel and we want them out and my cogs just started going and said this is the business opportunity that i've been waiting for all my life um and um i said what do you have to what do i have to do for you to put the pumps back in he said well he'd, he'd have to be gone forever and i said put them back in i'll be in here trading tomorrow i knew absolutely nothing about shops um but I just felt this was a business opportunity sent to me and went home, told my wife was leaving the bar and took her 10 years to forgive me. Uh, within 12 <laughs> months, she was begging me to go back because our property started fall, our property exposure started falling down around us. And she begged me to go back to being a barrister because I would have had the money to plug the gaps and I refused. That was a tough conversation and then ended up in our sister-in-law's back bedroom. I refused because I said, this is the most entrepreneurial thing I'll ever do in my life. And um, I've waited to get to be an entrepreneur all my life. And I've done the law a bit now. I've proved myself I could do that. This is the next chapter. And that's wow. how the entrepreneurial <laughs> stuff started. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, and so, in there. Sorry. yeah, there is. So fast forward then. Yeah. So where, where are we at now then? So now, so we, we built that, that wee, one wee tiny wee shop. So that built to, over the next sort of seven or eight years, I built that up, you know, um, from nothing. And um, we built up to about 20 million turnover business with 135 staff. Um, I've built a team uh, that can run that business without me. So I am, I've only been in that business twice in the last two years. So it's bar stores, post office, subway, subway stores, subway sandwiches, a few other bits and pieces, uh, virtual reality gaming center, and a few other things. Um, but that's run by a management team, and I'm sort of like the emeritus sort of chairman, and they they run that. I am the owner of it, but they, they run that for me. And over the last sort of four or five years, <coughs> pardon me, I have, I, I always wanted to do more. I always wanted to leave a legacy behind me. That has always driven me. That was one of the reasons why I left some good quality stuff because, you know, there was a, a cap on what I could actually achieve within it, even as a barrister. Uh, I may certainly, you know, most people killed to be a successful barrister, but it, it wasn't the legacy that I wanted or dreamt of. And um, so about five years ago, I started using my experience of failure. <coughs> <coughs> Pardon me, sorry. That's right. I started using my experience of implementing, I know we're going to talk about habits, but implementing all the good habits that brought me success, implementing and educating other people on the hubris probably in my life that led to my failures and putting that all together and sharing that story. So from about the last five years, I've been on LinkedIn. I have a podcast, the Speed Mentor podcast. There's 160 plus episodes of that. Um, 
I run events. Um, I've done pro bono mentorship for hundreds, if not thousands of, of people. I've also a paid mentor, although I don't do that anymore because I've got too much other business on. And um, uh, so I've last five years have been really developing that speed mentor element um, for the benefit of Northern Ireland and anybody else who wants to listen. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's quite a story, and there's probably there's probably about five or six different podcasts in yeah. your story. Uh, my one is specifically about habits. Uh, if I can ask a, a fairly open question, so uh, given we're we're both lawyers or or you know have that yeah. legal background, I won't ask. Uh, I'll try not to ask too many leading uh-huh. questions. You know, do you have a, a definite opinion on the role habits have played in either your success and or your failures? Yeah, so I used to have. I've had plenty of bad habits, by the way. Just uh, I want to give that get that off my chest straight from the from the top here, Brian. So I, I'm off alcohol thirteen and a half years. Thank God I gave that up. So you're talking about habits. We like to talk about the constructive habits, but let's even talk a little bit about the de- destructive habits. Well, so, I mean, they work. I mean, the thing yeah. that uh, a lot of people don't appreciate, I can, I guess, about habits is they work the same way. So a, a good habit and a bad habit have the same kind of 100%. scientific cue, craving, reward, response kind of uh, elements. So uh, they can either work for you or against you in the exact same way. Yeah, 100%. So yes, you're, you're saying the, the habits can be equally destructive as, as constructive and I, I am actually if I'm in truth be told here let's break it down I'm actually quite an addictive um, personality and um, I have probably had all of the bad habits you could um, are probably running right through your mind at the minute and uh, last one alcohol I gave that up 13 and a half years ago um, what I realized was that there was a yin to a yang and if I could harness now I was successful already even though you know, I was drinking too heavily um, back in the day. You know, a lot of barristers have that. You're really intensively working on a case. And then the pressure of that, you get a result or you don't get a result. Your client goes to prison, for instance, you know, and then afterwards and you might have a couple of days whereby you're you're in total binge mode, um, uh, trying to just relieve the pressure that you've been under for an extensive period of time. So I, I did indulge in that. But I, I knew at the back of my mind that if I could harness that, sort of addictive element of my personality into more constructive stuff and the two big pillars in my life are my family and my work that I could actually catapult myself to success um, that uh, otherwise I wouldn't have if I if I let them sort of trundle along on the sort of negative side of things. And so, so where did you start then in terms of, of, of developing these good habits? So you gave up drink, uh, I get that. Yeah. Uh, but like, I suppose in my mind, there's kind of two types of habits, I guess. There's the, mm-hmm. the, the habits that you might find in the kind of seven habits of highly effective yeah. people, which are kind of like uh, overreaching life habits. They're not, you know, habits you do every day, like brushing your teeth. And then there are the 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 brushing your teeth style, you know, daily habits. Um, and those are the ones in particular that interest me at the moment, this mm-hmm. kind of idea of marginal gains and focusing on the small stuff and the small wins and, you know, taking steps that gradually are going to lead to bigger things. So, I mean, if you start with a shop and not a clue what to do, mm-hmm. like w- 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 where do you start? Yeah. Well, all the, we, the, the small habits stuff that you're talking about there, whether it be so, I like to set a structure for myself so that I don't have to think about. So you talk about people do have habits 
but they're unconscious 70% of their time, I think, or something like that you said. And yeah. they're, they're, they're engaged in unconscious habits. But what I do is I actually set my habits so that I'm doing my habits consciously. Um, so, for instance, uh, I start every single day, 7 o'clock, with a Zoom call with my business partner every single day. Okay, so we're 7 o'clock. That's the day he started in terms of focus on work. Okay, I every day I drink four liters of water. Okay, so every time I go down to the tap, uh, I refill, uh, or, or I'm in the kitchen for anything, I refill my water bottle and I drink it. Okay, I um, do lots of different things that are built into a daily plan and I'm conscious about it. So at the moment, my plan working really, really hard um, and I do need a wee bit of relief just in the evening time. So myself and my wife, I don't watch, hardly watch any TV whatsoever, but we're watching um, a wee hour of whatever's on Netflix, one hour in the evening, just as we relax. And we have a wee cup of tea, uh, decaf, and a, a tiny wee treat. It's the only treat I have all day, just a, a little small chocolate bar. And that stops me from snacking in between because I know I'm getting that wee treat at the end of the day. I know I'm getting my relaxed time just at half 10 until half 11 every night. And uh, that tops and tails my day. Um, and then I build the rest of the day around it with good habits. So there's what one of the things that's interesting about uh, about that is um, the structure, uh, yeah. I, and I'm kind of like that myself. Um, bizarrely, uh, you know, when I think back, the, the most productive or the most effective I ever was actually was around uh, school and my leaving cert mm-hmm. because. Day in, day out, up at the same time, school at the same time, home at the same time, study at the same time. As long as, and I just stuck to it rigidly. And it was yeah. kind of easy because I knew exactly what I was doing. Um, have you found it, uh, there's a load of questions about what you've just said, but have you found it more difficult as you've gotten older, particularly like I now have three small kids and I find having any kind of <laughs> um, yeah. regiment or, or being able to stick to a schedule close to impossible so there's there's a massive element to this and it's outside of um habits it is having a partner who is really supportive and you work together in tandem so i could not possibly do all of the things even though i've got the structure so i'm up and at my desk and working so my my zoom calls at seven but i've already done my link linkedin post that i do every single day from 20 past six so i'm up getting a couple of hours done before they're up and about as it were so that gives me a bit of time to maybe have my breakfast with them and that builds it into a bit of the family time so i'm not missing out on too much of that i then have to have my wife knows right um we'll never sit down to watch tv together but we've got that hour at the end of the day, which is really good quality personal time. And she knows that I will build a structure um, around what I'm doing for my work. Now, my wife's working really hard as well, um, but it's maybe not just as um, crazy type of work. <laughs> you know, it's it's I'm building a structure around the craziness of trying to build a venture capital business, of trying to create unicorns of trying to create billion um, pound companies so you have the structure but the mad stuff happens in amongst the structure if that makes sense it it absolutely does and i want to come back to um the venture capital thing in a minute but one habit you mentioned is actually where i started so Mm -hmm. if we could just talk about that for a second because i think it's kind of interesting um and it's the habit of hydration yeah um and I, i i like i realized that 
I had no like structure or habit. So I said, right, I'm going to start. And I read books and I, I researched and I decided I would start with a list of habits that I wanted uh -huh. and then I would put them in a grid and I would assign them to months and I would try and take you know one habit at a time so one habit per month and you know a year later I would have 12 solid good habits uh -huh. um, and the very first one was water uh -huh. and hydration because I wasn't hydrated and I wasn't drinking enough now you said that uh, now anytime you're in the kitchen or anytime you pass uh -huh. the tap you fill up the bottle yeah I, I had when I started that uh I had to set a reminder for every hour to go and fill the bottle. I mean, th that was the level I was at in terms of having to start a habit. Now, I, I just know when it's time to drink. I, like, I don't set an alarm anymore. And I, like you, I drink at least four liters of water a day, which, yeah. you know, to some people is mental. They, they can't um, understand. They, they can't, you see people who don't have a structure or a habit or habits in their lives. They cannot believe. I say to the people and they think I'm making it up. Now, why the hell would I make it up? They cannot believe that it's possible to do that, that you could spend the time doing it. But there's actually no impact on your day once you've actually built it into your system. Um, but when you started, did you have to do anything like setting a reminder? I'm just curious as to how you, how you actually you, you physically do, went about something I've make, done myself. Yeah, you. Um, I, I make a decision that something that's that, that I'm going to do something, and at the start, you will have to do something physically to build it in to remind yourself. I forgot about it today, and and then the next day, I'm going to get a wee bit better at it. The next day, I'm going to get a wee, you know, it's like going to the gym, whatever it may be, until it becomes unconscious. So that people who are doing 70% of their lives or 60%, I'm not sure the figure you said, um, uh, unconscious um, habits. Um, so I, I set them, target myself, do them consciously until they become unconscious or subconscious. Yeah. And, 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 um, that's, and that's the process. And, yeah. and that's what I think I, I, I most interests me. Uh, and, and what I'm really interested in talking to you is, you know, that by all accounts you, you're very successful but yeah. you started the same place you know that that the um that saying start where you are use what you have do what you can so you know if it's i think what i'm fascinated by is that someone would think as i did and as you did that right i i need to start with hydration like that it when you're trying to change your life you know you might yeah. you, you might think drinking water is the obvious starting point for rebuilding your life, your career, your finances. But these are the kind of habits that are, you know, foundational that well, you, you can't really skip them. You know, do you, do you know what you're saying to yourself, Brian? Do you know what you're saying to yourself? The second you start to think to do these things is I care about myself and I care about my outcomes and I want to have success. Now, don't get me wrong. I talk about failure more often than anybody else probably in this world. And I probably opened up with a bit of it at the start of this, um, this episode. But if you, that that wee simple fact of caring about your own hydration is the gateway to actually caring about everything else in your life. You know, actually, people, while we're talking, I thought massive. I better take a drink of water just to <laughs> because I have my bottle here beside me. I've got mine. It's 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 absolutely massive. That and I would I'm just guessing. I would say there's only a tiny percentage of the population who actually care enough about their hydration. And then your sleep is another. Your sleep is another one. I didn't care enough about that for long periods of my life, and now for the first time, probably maybe about three years ago, 
I'm really getting more than six hours a night, where it was probably four and a half hours a night for many, many years. That's the, their whole history behind that. But um, just those little things so that you care about what you're doing and you're being conscious about it. I mean, never mind even water. I'm really funny about my tea drinking. So I'm people who know me, you know, I talk a lot about my black tea. So at home, I have a whole regimen. You're talking about habits. I have a whole regimen about. So I have a full teapot. We have something called Belfast Brew Suki Tea up here. And actually, in one of my retail premises, I, I got it in many years ago. And I do the loose leaf and I go through a whole process. I do that mid-morning. So about 11 o'clock. So I've got my black tea in front of me. Do the full pot, brew it. And I fill the whole pot and I have about two and a half cups of tea at about 11 o'clock. And then at three o'clock, I have, well, just before three o'clock, I have another pot of tea. So the timing of that to break the, so it stops you snacking as well from breakfast to lunch. You actually have something that's almost, it's almost ceremonial in a way. If you see me brewing this stuff and, and I've got my wee platter that I take it and I take it to my desk. Um, and that's another habit that just, it's a punctuation mark in the middle of my morning, a punctuation mark in the middle of my afternoon. Stops me eating a whole lot of rubbish in the middle of the day because I'm actually engaging in some form of consumption other than water. And it's the right amount of caffeine for me um, at those particular uh, two times. I, I'm sure uh, anyone listening to this is going to be like, well, they may well think you're mad. They're also going to think I'm mad because, you know, here here I have this uh, person who's been through so much uh, in yeah. their life. And all I want to talk about is water and tea. But I, I am going to stick with the water and tea just for yeah. a second, because yeah. really, um, in my view, and uh, you are absolutely free to disagree with me. Yeah. Um, it's the same system for every other habit like they work the same way and that's we mentioned it earlier in good and bad habits so mm -hmm. if you can create the habit of hydration or the habit of uh, yeah. drinking tea at a specific time to break up your day or whatever else yeah. you know you can apply the same system that led to that habit to create any other habit really so for example just sticking with the water mm -hmm. for me um so like people will talk in habits in terms of um, cues uh, and environmental design to make your habits easier. So for me, when I decided I was going to um, develop this hydration habit, uh, one of the things I did was to set a reminder every hour. Um, the second thing I did was I bought new water bottles that were kind of, you know, quirky or attractive yeah, or yeah. interesting or, or mm -hmm. something different um, and then the third thing I did was experimented with uh, adding fruits like a lime or adding a little bit of um, like a dilutable uh, drink or something to make yeah. it more interesting mm -hmm. um, and you know so that was the process and that that worked and then uh, you know the follow-on from that was I decided to, to what they would call or what people would call habit stack, you know, so build one habit on top yeah. of another. So I would say every time I go to fill the bottle of once I developed the habit of drinking that amount of water, every time uh, I was filling the bottle, I would do another good habit. Uh, and sorry, this is a bit overshare, yeah, but no, no, obviously no. The, the result, the result of drinking too much water is that you are going to wee a lot more. So I built another habit around oh, um, yeah. what I would do every time <laughs> I, I went to the toilet. Yeah. Um, so, you know, y you have something similar in that, you know, there's a specific time of day where you do a specific thing um, and you talked about uh, rituals. And I think yeah. um, that's kind of important as well that, um, you know, if you want a habit to stick, 
make it a ritual, make it a ceremony, make it enjoyable. Would you kind of agree with that? Is there something in that? Yeah, there was a couple of wee things I just want to pick up on there. And um, this is really geeky, geeky conversation, but I'm enjoying it. I hope, hope your listeners are too. Um, you mentioned cues. So I use those a lot in relation to my habits. So I'm going to give an example, and, and particularly um, your, your listeners in the South there will, will know this one. So I was down in the Pendulum Summit. Um, probably won't be, it'll be a virtual one this year, but the Pendulum Summit um, down in Dublin, I was down there maybe three or four years ago, and I was really, really inspired. It was sort of, I was really getting into my personal development at the time, and I felt really, really inspired by the Pendulum Summit. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, would, yeah, 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 you know, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, and what I decided to do, I said that year, the following year was going to be the best year of my life in terms of productivity, in terms of chasing down even bigger goals than I was already chasing down. It was feeding into sort of a narrative that I had in my life at the time. You know, I was um, sharing it in LinkedIn and different things like that. And I decided to keep my wristband from the pendulum summit on and not get it cut off until I arrived back down the next year. And... That wristband stayed on mine for the whole year and um, I got it cut off when I arrived down the next year. And every day I made a promise to myself, every day I looked at my watch or my wristband was I would um, use that to inspire myself to be brave enough to keep thinking even bigger than I was already thinking. And I already think bigger probably than most people anyway. And that was such an amazing um, visual cue that I used throughout that year to keep me inspired and to do things that I know for a fact if I hadn't taken a conscious decision to build better habits to have visual cues that that year wouldn't have been as spectacular as it was for me um uh, and that's a real interest one other one I want to share with you actually on um on cues uh, and this is that um because I use those quite a lot to to trigger um, behaviors I've got another one when things are going really really bad are uh, really really badly and they happen to everybody um i i sort of almost treat it as a, as a test and i share this with people so if you know that day from hell when the wheels come off absolutely everything you're going to your bed at night you're almost crying with the pain i have developed this way and it's, it's it's unbelievable how well it works i just do this really concerted big blink you can't see me at the minute but i'm sort of <laughs> a big blink I just blink down really, really hard. And I have trained myself to actually use that to wash away pain. And people are going to find that crazy. Like it took me a lot of years to develop that. Um, so when I'm going through a lot of pain, I know that there's success. I know basically that probably 90% of the people who are trying to do some of the things to me have dropped out at that point. And I just say, the success or the road less traveled is just on the other side of this pain. I just need to get through it and stick with the project. And I just do a big blink, blink down like that, and on I go. It's, it's, quite... um, it's something that I talk about a lot um, as well. Uh, it, it, two things that you clearly do um, uh, at a level both of conscious and unconscious. And one is consistency. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, six 6.20 every day, you're writing your LinkedIn post, seven o'clock, yeah. you're having your Zoom call. Yeah. Um, and, you know, making a habit uh, and making it stick is all about consistency you know there's a, about a billion habit tracker apps out there and you know marking x's and calendars and all sorts of things um but but it is it is that uh simple act of of showing up 
um, even with like the 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 phrase that James Cleary uses in his book Atomic Habits yeah. is, um, you know, professionals um, stick to the schedule, amateurs let life get in the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, like, do you think you when you you mentioned all these habits, mm-hmm. did you have them when you were successful before, but when you didn't have the big goal or the big vision? Yeah, I always had. I I did, but I didn't know how how to use them. Um, so they would have been more scattered in approach. It was when, whenever. So at, at just on the if my timeline. So from twenty seven, I was sort of blowing my head off, going crazy, having good times. And from twenty seven to thirty seven, I was trying to get my SH one T together. And then at thirty seven, I really got myself together. So. There's various stages. I always had those ideas, but the application and consistency of them didn't really hit until I was 37. And I say that to a lot. I, I speak to some people that have mentored lots and lots of people, people in their 20s now. Actually, people, a lot of people give younger people a hard time, but I see um, young people in their 20s who are so far ahead of where I was in my 20s. And there's nothing like encouraging them. I really, really didn't get this stuff nailed down until I was 37. Um so you can have elements of it, but it's it's that showing up every day on a planet every single day. So it's okay. People start to do things and they'll do them for three or four days and then they'll get bored. The consistent application of the habits, of good habits, simple habits like drinking water, um, ultimately leads to um, much bigger goals or, or much bigger, much greater success. But the bit I, I, I think, Bran, comes with it is also and it's it's, a, it's almost a separate piece but it's knowing what you want to do with your life setting your goals and your targets and then building those habits towards that goal if i don't i think if you don't set the goals or you don't know what it is you're trying to achieve it's less likely that the habits will stick yeah i have personal experience of that and i think it makes sense as well because you know uh, uh, habits particularly good habits they can be hard like to build into habits and to not get bored of and to to stick with when you're just like you know if you're trying to get fit or if you're trying to lose weight Mm -hmm. and all you really want to do is snack on whatever it is um if you don't have that that big vision or that big purpose you don't have the same motivation to stick with them i don't think and i think i wonder if that's why it took you to 37 because until then you didn't have that um 100% 100% clear purpose I guess 100% and the clarity of being alcohol free as well um, and then saying you know what that legacy I've always sort of had in the back of my mind that I want to create in my lifetime to actually create something that is greater than my life as such and look people might think listen to him going on but that's just the way I think so that that really crystallized when I was 37 when I got um, clear of, of alcohol I had lots of success up until then but that really um once I then had that vision and I was able to have it stack, as you've mentioned there, and stacking these things on and stacking them on again, and then you build other things. And then you're you're atomizing little tiny wee things that people, you know, as we get talking about it, people are going, they, are they really thinking about? <laughs> I do. It's everything, even the way I go down the stairs. It's, it's, all, it's all weird, um, um, maybe to some people, but everything is analyzed as to... So I then sort of, you then sort of take it on a step. So if you're like me in my life and you're in multiple businesses and you're trying to have positive impacts on uh, multiple different um, uh, people, 
and ideas and businesses. You then have to realize the only finite thing you have is your is your time. So you then have to build those habits on top of habits. So you, you it'd be rare that I would be doing one thing at a time. Yeah. And, and there's there's an interesting, I suppose, debate about that, because if you were to Google the, the top 10 habits of successful people and there's plenty of guides out there, one of the things they say not to do is to yeah. multitask. They, they do, but it's it's not multitasking around. So it's in the tiny thing. So let's say, um, OK, let's say I'm in the shower, just as just an example. So I have my wee um, high speaker comes in podcast done in the shower you are not done recorded but listened to so or whatever book i'm listening to that's done in the shower or say if it just decide to cut the lawn or something like that and the gardener isn't doing it for instance and i just feel you know what i need half an hour just break from something it'll be stacked with something else that's of benefit to me um i also just to strip everything out i also meditate as well so um that, that's something that's a regular in my life also so there's a period whereby there's absolutely no noise that gets in. Yeah. Um, Are you aware, like, uh, I mean, yeah. of those those types of lists of the, the habits of successful people? And do you, do you know, if you are, do you know how many of them you do? I, I don't. you know what? I've, I I did um, at that James Clare, uh, Clare book, like, years ago. Now, I can't. Um, I wouldn't be able to rhyme off what it is. I just remember I, thinking that's a good book. And, like, um, well, I mean, like, if you, just if you were to Google, you know, top 10 habits of successful people, th the things that come up the most uh, would be uh, getting up early and getting some stuff done in the quiet time before the rest of the world gets up, uh, getting enough sleep, uh, staying hydrated. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, the self-care, the self-care, I've just Googled it while we were talking. The self-care is an interesting one, actually, that seems to have crept into it. I worry a little bit about this, might be slightly off topic, and I'll, I'll not speak about no. it for too long, Brian. The, the, the self-care is an interesting one, and I worry I worry that the total explosion of that marketplace is a too big an opportunity for people to um, just think about themselves too often on the self-care side. Um, I, I sort of get my thrive from life and actually thinking about what I can do for other people. Because I just Googled it and I saw this, it's in the top 10 um, uh, most productive for successful. Now, I do uh, meditate uh, and I do hydrate and that's self, that, that is an element of self-care, I know. Um, but that, that's just one wee thing I just put on the, uh, on the periphery there that um, we can become too introspective as well and um, worry that, you know, the old one on the, on, on the plane um, if you don't put your own gas mask on first or your air oxygen mask, gas mask, oxygen mask yeah. on first, you'll not be able to help anybody else. I think that is true, but I always I always believe I, I'll save half a dozen people before I have to put mine on. Um, that's a wee bit off topic there. But. No, no, I, I, it's, it, it's, it's a fair point. And I think um, for me, again, that comes back to, to purpose that um, like, I, I can very easily identify, you know, while, when you're younger, it the goals are easy. So like in school, 
get good results in college do this uh, get first job for for people who are on a, a certain track or for you know for for whom there's a, a kind of obvious career path um there's milestones along the way that kind of everyone in your intake or in your world is, is heading towards you don't really think too much about it in, in my experience and then you get a bit older you have a family you have some stuff and um, you've achieved most of the things and then what you're now looking at is you know in your case, am I going to be a more successful barrister or, you know, become a senior counsel? Am I going to do this? Yeah. You're, you're, you're kind of taking more incremental promotional steps, but you're kind of doing the same thing unless you do what you did and blow it all up and start again or, or look somewhere different. So yeah. if I can just ask then about the fund. So the, the venture capital fund isn't, you know, it's very specifically not just to make money. Um, it, it's, you know, for social good and social change, as I understand it. Is yes. that is that fair? Yeah, no. So we're building. So our, our, our target is, so we have a couple of targets. First is actually to raise the fund. So we, we set it up um, uh, about 18 months ago and we got our authorization from the Financial Conduct Authority in July. Our target is that we're raising 50 million pounds in Northern Ireland. And our goal, our overarching goal, is to uh, create 10 billion of value in 10 years. Now, because it's got a figure on it, people may think that's about money. I have no interest in uh, money for myself. That will come if we are successful in what we're trying to deliver. What we want to actually deliver is to really change the enterprise ecosystem in Northern Ireland and then further afield. We want people to be able to, who have ideas that may have potential to disrupt industries or to change the world or to bring some good to the world, to, to be able to be supported financially through our fund um, in, in that enterprise. So there, there, there is a, a social push for good, but some people think that that's, that's just a charitable thing creating successful businesses actually creates value in society and in northern ireland we actually i mean we've we've got two-thirds of people in northern ireland are employed a civil servant are employed by the state effectively we need to break that dynamic so that there's more um actual enterprise here so people more are more wedded to their own outcomes can be have more aspirational can have people like me to support them you know, you've got quite a bit of that in Dublin now and in the south, um, but really we're, we're lagging behind in that aspirational stuff. And so when you meet someone who is, is looking for, you know, support, whether that be money or mentoring or whatever else, yeah. again, just to, to bring it back to my hobby horse here in Habits, yeah. like, can you tell from someone the way they conduct themselves, you know, like whether it's, whether it's being on time, whether it's, you know, the passion, the energy, I, I wonder, does, we talked earlier about habits needing to be feeding into some overarching goal. Um, and I presume if you have an idea that you think can change the world, that's a, a pretty powerful um, goal to, to help you set your habits against. Yeah. So um, we sort of have core values, we look for four, four core values in any of the founders who pitch to us. And, um, and one of them actually is quality on the deliverables. I've just forgotten the name of the guy who wrote the book. James, the book. Um, James. no, it's just gone out of my head, but uh, quality. And it is on one of those four core values. I don't think many people would have that in there, but it is on the deliverables. Do they, are they able to deliver 
on time, on project, on point at every single stage of the process. Um, we do actually watch for that. Um, the others are sort of um, leadership and, and legacy and, and things like that. And um, But quality on the deliverables is something. So it's quite sort of aligned to habits and delivering consistently. Um, and that, that's certainly one of the four things that we will look for in any founders. The other wee thing actually around around people and myself and Andrew, my, my co-founder, we do have a slight difference on this. He believes that um, you can build a system and that anybody can actually deliver within the system. If you've built a good enough system and project, I sort of believe that it's not that anybody can't do it. It's just that so few want to. Um, and that you can tell from the behaviours and the demeanours and the actions of somebody whether they're, they're in the right space at that particular time to be ready to go on the journey to do it. Um, and he likes to often encourage them to get there. And I said, I would think, yes, our job is to encourage them, but they need to be already ready and willing to receive that sort of mentorship guidance, which we try to bring. We're not just a money play. We, we call ourselves venture catalysts rather than venture capitalists because we're really bringing both on the mental side and Andrew's quite very technically gifted on the technical side in relation to whether it be software or whatever it might be. It's interesting, um, that point that you raise. I'll just give you my example um, and you can draw from it what you will. I think it speaks to what you've just been saying. So uh, as part of my career, I ran a radio station, um, the, the purpose of which was to develop talent that was specifically set up by um, the Communicore Media Group to, to develop new talent in circumstances where pirate radio was effectively shut down, which is the traditional route that people yes. went to learn their craft. So we set up this radio station uh, and I was in charge of it. Um, and uh, the way I did it was I told everyone who was on the station, there was 30 something volunteers um, at one point. And I said, look, if you want feedback from me, what you need to do is you need to record your show, edit it down uh, and send it to me to review. And then I will review it and I will um, have a session with you and we'll do feedback. Okay. Um, and you could basically the people who did that yeah. inevitably made it and the people who didn't do that inevitably didn't so there was a kind of a, a barrier to entry which I, like specifically i purposely did it to see who wanted it badly enough or who was invested enough to to look for that feedback or to take the time um and i, I kind of agree with you like they they have to be there um to because the system was in place anyone could get it but only certain people availed of it if i could put it like that yeah no uh, yes and that, that that was the one wee tiny thing that myself and andrew i i um they they have to want to break down that door i mean i, I can give you a very good example of it i i treat most things like a test it's, it's a bit weird sometimes maybe <laughs> sometimes it maybe just be easier just to sit back and watch Carnation Street or something like that. I don't know, but um, I, I can remember in my twenties, whenever I was the the whole legal thing was going on, I wasn't going to be a lawyer. Sorry, I thought I wasn't going to be. When my dad gave me that information, um, and um, I remember I thought I'm going to bring a franchise, some sort of franchises to Northern Ireland, and um, I uh, I spoke to a, a franchise company, and they said, oh, "There's no way we're coming to Northern Ireland politically. It's unstable, and blah 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 blah, etc." And I said, oh, is that right? Okay. So put the phone down, booked a flight. I was only in my 20s, only a young lad. Booked my flight, flew to the head offices in London and sat there first thing in the morning 
and told the, the secretary that they would wait until he was available. And um, he then agreed to come to uh, Northern Ireland. Now, I segued back into the law and didn't ultimately do it. But <laughs> my point was that I always felt that's a test. That's a test. I have to show that I'm up to the test. He's testing me. Um, he, he would come to Northern Ireland if he found the right person. That's what that, that's, that's a test. So I've always uh, a thought like that. And I think for people to have success, certainly in my approach, and I think, I'm, to be honest, I think I'm winning Andrew round a wee bit on this because we have the time to help people who are already there and to add a bit more to their journey to enhance them a bit further. But to, to drag somebody up who isn't there and ready to receive, that's, that's, that's too tough. That's not our job um, just at this at this point of time. Do you think um, th- this question, does it resonate with you both in terms of the venture capitalism, your own life, and, and particularly um, building hard habits to get you there? Like, how badly do you want it or do you want it badly enough? Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you drawing a distinction between those? No, no, sorry, sorry, just either, yeah. either you know, yeah, just I was trying to, I couldn't see, I couldn't no, 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 see no. yeah, like that. You know, do you want it badly enough to, to get up every day at half six or five or whatever? Do you want it badly enough to, to fly over and convince this franchisee like that? If, if, if I was putting my money behind someone, mm-hmm. that'd be the question I would want to know. Do they want it badly enough? Oh, sorry, my dog's uh, going mentally yeah, downstairs. No, uh, no problem. Yes, they, they that that's the question. That's the question. I think if if somebody wants it badly enough, they can work out how to build the habits around it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, there's a little bit of a chicken and the egg. Yeah. So you have to care about yourself to start with the water, you know, and if you do that for a long enough time, show you care about yourself, you then think about other things, <laughs> tiny things that might be dental hygiene, who knows what it might be next, um, that are just a little improvement on what you did before. And the next thing might be, keeping a tidy office you know that, yeah that can be the next uh, the next thing to clear keep your keep a clear mind uh, it's great actually online and computers now you know there's not that much paper in my life so it's all stored in, in one place and maybe in the cloud whatever and then those little things but they sort of run in tandem the person who wants it badly enough will build those uh, build build that stuff in do do do, do you think did you ever um I, I, I'm going to ask the question anyway. I suspect your answer will be there is no too high. But did you ever aim too high? So with the with the small habits. So my wife will tell you that my biggest uh, problem is that I always set the bar unattainably high, um, with the uh, with the uh, consequence that effectively I always fail because I never uh, because I was never going to succeed in inverted commas because the bar was too high. So. The, the biggest learning I've had recently is mm-hmm. that it's okay to lower the bar um, to build up. So, so like, for example, if I decide I'm going to run, like mm-hmm. I say, I don't have a habit of running. I'm not a runner. And I say, I'm, I'm going to take up running. Like I, there, I wouldn't have any interest in couch to 5k, 10k. I'm like, I'm running a marathon. That's, that's where I pitch it straight away. And um, so I've had to learn to if I want to run a marathon, I have to first be able to walk for half an hour, and then I have to be able to run for two minutes. And it just it ha- for me, it won't work unless it starts small and builds up. Because you know, if you if you you're trying to run before you walk, I guess is what I'm the long way round. Um, and the consequences of that mentality of trying to run before you can walk. Yeah. So there's 
you have to break it down. So I have what I call my gorilla goals. So I have gorilla goals, and um, the gorilla goal for, for the change is 10 billion in value in 10 years. Um, personally, it's to be number one entrepreneur by objective measurement in Northern Ireland. So that, you can go to my LinkedIn, that, that says it right there. That's the gorilla goal, okay? But how, how I get there or how that manifests itself, I just don't know yet. So then you build in, right, what, what's the, the next thing? What's the trajectory you're looking to go on? What's the path to get that? Okay, it's to partner with somebody who can go on a journey with you because you're never going to create that yourself. It's then to build a team that actually um, believes that it's possible. Okay, it's to tell your narrative, um, share your narrative, because when you share your, this is a massive, this is a, and you see in terms of consistency of habits, um, this is probably, it could be as great as any of the others. Um, Brian is, sharing my narrative of what I'm trying to achieve of my guerrilla goals with other people, that attract, attracts other people to you who are actually trying to do some of the similar things. So LinkedIn, maybe four or five years ago, um, I mean, I was on LinkedIn that technically I was a, you know, all right, I was doing well, but I was a shopkeeper effectively. All right, I had about eight or nine shops, but um, and LinkedIn was really a jobs board for recruiters and things like that. And then I started, telling my narrative on LinkedIn. That's how it started. I started saying, do you know what? We messed up something today. And I posted a picture of um, us arriving at somebody's door with a, 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 what do you call it, a hamper, because we got something really, really wrong for a customer. And I shared that. All these people were, were liking it. Then I started sharing other stuff. Then I started sharing my goals. Then I started sharing my habits. I've done lots of stuff sharing my habits. Other people find you who are doing similar things and they then actually become part of your journey. You know, for instance, you've reached out to me because I share this sort of stuff. So, and the other thing is, Brandon, this is really important about sharing it. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. You talk about those goals. There is no better way to be held accountable than to actually get a thousand accountability partners who come and look at what you're doing every day. So that's, I'm actually saving myself. Now I've paid lots of money for mentors in the past and I've been paid lots of money to be a mentor, but I have got the best free accountability partners in the world. So I go and tell them my, my goals. And because I've told people and because I'm living an authentic life, I know that the rest of that day I have to go and spend trying to deliver what I've just shared with everybody. And I know that they'll be checking in in three months time to say, I wonder, did he get that? Or did he get that? Or is he just bullshitting? You know, so yeah. it's actually a fantastic habit. The form of habits, that's probably my best, actually sharing just the, the narrative of what I'm trying to achieve. Um, I think, I mean, look, there's there's a there's a, a bravery. and I'm, I'm reluctant to try and uh, to say people like this all comes with age, but there is an element of, you know, uh, there is an element of maturity that you kind of go, right, I, I don't care what anyone thinks anymore. And now I'm going to tell people what my big dream is. You know, so many people yeah. w don't want to tell the world because they're afraid they'll be laughed at or it's stupid or, or whatever. A part of what I'm doing, uh, it's interesting just you mentioned mm -hmm. the specific phrase accountability partners because mm -hmm. uh, I guess that is something that people say is either essential to good habits or success or or to certainly to leveling it up yeah. that you have someone to keep you on task um 
so part of the the website that I'm developing, you, you can have a look. It's called um, New Habits Club, and it's specifically um, a, a place for people who are trying to create good habits to come and support each other and to find accountability partners and to uh, learn from other people how they went about creating, you know, because an awful lot of people want the same habits you know yeah. to lose weight to exercise to to all those kind of things to get more sleep to you know there there aren't an infinite number of kind of really core habits that people need um you know i i find it kind of personally fascinating that if you think about the billion dollar industry that weight loss is mm-hmm. and effectively it's all uh take in less calories than you expend that's that's kind of it in a nutshell you know but i mean that's yeah, i mean no, no, true. when push comes to shove you know uh eat less exercise more lose weight that's that's it but it is a billion 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 dollar industry um and like so so i i um that's that's something that i think is really important and you you touched on um your your wife uh and uh it's, it's something that came up when I spoke to I spoke to the Irish um, magician mentalist Keith Barry, uh-huh, uh, and yeah, he yeah he uh, you know was very clear as well that uh, you know without the support of his wife Maraid wouldn't be possible. I think probably not that it's a cliche behind every great man all that good stuff. But here it's just an interesting personal issue. Yeah. My wife doesn't want to be my accountability partner. In fact, like she's flat refused to do it because she thinks it would make her kind of the fun police or, you know, even though I want her to, you know, that she just thinks it, it would put a strain on so, us, which is yeah. kind of interesting. And I, I'd never really thought of it from her I, point of view. I before. understand that. So my wife is not my accountability partner. Um, so I, I take that slightly differently. I understand that. And, if if I let my wife be my kind of, I wouldn't do half the things I do because she would tell me not to do them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent. I remember when whenever I was doing a thing called the Greatest Showman a few years back, and I was trying to get two hundred entrepreneurs to come and sing and dance together in fancy dress to the Greatest Showman, sober, and then go <laughs> for a party. And she said to me, Gavin, you're a lunatic. There's nobody in Northern Ireland going to come to anything like that. Shouldn't she said it couldn't be done? Right, I said, okay, I'm going to do this, and we did it, and it was one of the greatest nights actually um, in Northern. Ireland. It was absolutely unbelievable with 200 brilliant entrepreneurs who let their ambitions go, and the success that they have had since that created a real legacy. But what I do with my my wife is that because she knows, okay, so look, I work harder than a lot of other people. That's obvious, um, and. Um, but you know, I still have good time for the family, um, and the two aren't exclusive to each other. But there will be there will be times when you know I just have to do lots of work, um, because she knows and she's aware that I have those particular goals, right? Uh, um, and she knows that I am focused on achieving something. She she will support me in that because she knows it has a purpose. Uh, you know, if if you're just working for the dollar. Uh, for an extra few pound to bring in an hourly rate or something like that you know you can't get too many people to get um sort of to give up their own stuff or to facilitate you if that's what it's all about but if it's about something greater so she knows i want to create something that's really significant you know for northern iron for our family for lots of other families so whenever there's support needed there when i'm off on some mad jaunt or something like that she knows deep down right he's doing that for good reasons 
And so, so sorry to cut across you. Yeah. Who, who is the accountability partner then? Is it just the, the LinkedIn? No, I don't mean yeah, specifically yeah, the LinkedIn the minute, people, but like, yeah, at the minute, yeah. yeah, I was, I, I, so I had a very, very, for, for me, this is going to sound wrong. I've been looking for a mentor for a while now. I, I had one. I need another one. It's, um, it's difficult for me to find one because it's not going to be somebody in traditional business in Northern Ireland. I had a mentor in England who I used to pay a lot of money to, and that sort of ran its course and did well for me at the time. Um, I sort of need somebody else at the minute. I have been looking. Um, can't quite get the right person um, at the minute, and um, I don't know if they'll come along. But the accountability partner is really LinkedIn. I use that as um, my accountability partner every single day. I know every single morning they're going to get an update about what's going on in my life, what I'm thinking, how I'm feeling. Um, if you go on there, you'll see, if you go back a few months, you'll see me doing posts about wanting to give up. And that was that was my truth at the time. It was actually that painful trying to create some of the stuff we're trying to create that I didn't think I could do it. And I put that out there. Now, one thing I'll say to other people is, you see that raw authenticity, you know, maybe like a Brenny Brown type thing. Yeah. I, I just want to give a wee bit of guidance just to people. People go too early with that stuff, okay? Um, if you're trying to create stuff, there's going to be, you know, really big stuff. There's going to be times when you just want to give up because it's that painful. But I would say hold back a wee bit on that sort of stuff, that raw stuff, until you've actually got a bit of achievement in the bank a little bit. I don't want to put people off. I'm just giving them a wee bit of – because you need people to believe in you um, that you can deliver. And if they see that pure – fragileness almost that all of us do have in us a little bit um it can actually put off some of the people that you need to attract to your journey just a wee bit of advice sorry about that no i I think it's really good advice um and i'll tell you my far cruder uh analogy or 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 what i say to people and interestingly um it's it's when do you share your journey you know before you start so for example i'm convinced that harnessing the power of habits can change your life. But I suppose I have this kind of conflict where I feel like I need to prove that before I can convince people of it myself. Do you know? So it, it's like um, what I, the, the crude analogy I was working towards is I kind of say, look, you, you know, you, you don't learn how to lose weight from a fat person. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't like the people who you tend to go to are people who used to be fat and lost a ton of weight and they're going to show you their system. And so there's an element of, you know, proving it, that it works or that you can do it before you start, you know, reaching out to people to to tell them all of that. Is that is that kind of your point? Yeah, that that is um, kind of my point. You need to have some of the credits in the bank, you know, to, to go and um, prove. It's a, it's a bit of a weird one. Whenever I was starting, I used to do a lot of pro bono mentoring. Just when you're talking there, it just reminded me. I did a lot of pro bono mentoring, and I couldn't bring myself to charge for something I loved doing. But I'd got to a stage where it was about 40 hours a week of doing this for, for people. And um, and it was all pro bono. And I was successful. I had an eight-figure turnover business. I had been a successful barrister in the past. I had a large property portfolio in the past, etc. I had all of this stuff. And I was delivering every single day. And I still thought that I couldn't charge for mentorship. Um, and I was doing a deal, weirdly, to buy seven domino stores in Cork. So I had a deal to buy seven. And I remember saying to myself, right that'll take me over 300 staff da, 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 da. i think at that point i could then um 
because I had people, I had two mentees who were refusing to be mentored by me unless they were paying because they wanted me, they wanted that time to be their particular time and for me to make sure that I delivered on them. And they were pushing me and I said, I can't. And I had this, I have to create this other thing. And uh, ultimately that deal fell through at the very last minute. But you know what? I said to myself, no, I think I am good enough. So there is a wee bit of in there. Um, yeah. any, I, do you know what? I am good enough and I am doing this. Um, so I am, I, I can tell other people about it. There's, there's I think that, yeah. yeah, I think there's an interesting point there as well. And a, a really valuable lesson for people about, you know, stuff you've touched on already. The time is your most valuable asset and charging for it. But there's also... Um, just again, it's just in the back of my mind um, that Keith Barry had said before he'll take on any private clients, there's a, a 30 minute interview. And if mm-hmm. he doesn't think it's the right fit, he just won't do it. And I've heard it said before, and I think it makes sense. Um, a, a friend of mine, who's a personal trainer, said that as soon as uh, a potential client tries to haggle with him on price, he's out because he's yeah. like they don't value their health well uh, enough to pay it like they, they're trying to they're trying to get healthy on the cheap and he just says they're not they're not my client it won't work um because if you're trying to skimp and save on you know your personal training or your health um your head's not in the right space and it's not going to work I, I just that was really interesting to me that you know it, it's like what you said they they put such a value on your your mentoring that they wanted that the yeah. the genuine experience if you like or to to have it valued yeah and that was then some so yeah so i was mentoring lots of people but some of them were putting no value on it whatsoever and these two people who were actually uh, i've actually done podcast episodes actually about both of them but uh, for various different reasons they were saying um no we value this time with you and we want it to be our time and um uh, then I started realizing that a number of people that I was mentoring on the pro bono stuff were actually had no interest in doing the stuff that I was talking through with them. And then I, I sort of ultimately, what, what actually then I did was then I paid somebody in England to mentor me who I was paying far more than I was ever going to pay or charge somebody else. That actually was the final wee bit of the release. I couldn't bring myself yeah. to do it. So I paid somebody five figures to be mentoring me in England. And um, that released me. But the stuff then that it released me to do with a whole lot of mentees was absolutely incredible and really, really transformed a whole lot of lives. And uh, unfortunately, with the venture capital stuff, I just don't have time to do that stuff anymore. Um, but it, it was, you know, really, really enjoyed it. Um, two, two very quick final things because yeah, I don't sure. want um, yeah. to take up um take take up too much of your time. First of all, is look, I, I'm happy to be your mentor. I can see that this is where this conversation is going. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'll do you mates rates and I'll do it just under five figures, and then and we'll get there. Um, and a, a, a slightly. Uh, <laughs> Related but genuine um, mm-hmm. question uh, is: I, I spoke to um, Fergus um, Connolly. I don't know if you're aware of him. He's a high performance coach over in the US. He's a guy from Monaghan, right? And um, you should look up, uh, look yeah. into him. He's really interesting. Um, and uh, his his whole philosophy is about. Uh, constant learning so you know you you talk oh, about failures yeah. and Richard Branson will say he learned more from his failures than his successes mm-hmm. um I, I, like I often think uh, that it's it, 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 
that sentence only makes sense when you're a success. <laughs> like, you know, um, like if you keep failing, there's not a whole lot of learning in it. Um, uh, there has to be success somewhere along the line. But what I'm more interested in is borrowing from, from different areas. So like f- for me, when you're saying you're looking for a mentor, if I'm looking for a mentor, quite often it's it's someone you know, completely different or from a different sphere or from a different area who can look at the world differently from the way I see it. Like how important is that, you know, to have not be, get caught up in your bubble or, you know, to, to have someone externally in terms of the, the accountability, the mentoring, the, the, just someone to, that sees the world differently from you. That's a very good question. Um, in my mind, this is just for myself at the minute, is I want somebody who has actually done a similar journey. Uh, but sometimes I, I do think to myself, there's really weird, uh, and this is feedback, so that's weird. I was going to do a post about this this morning, so remind me. Two people reached out to me recently on LinkedIn um, who are in a different stage of their lives but are, are real strong followers. One of them said, Gavin, I think your vision, you've just lost a wee bit on your vision there. I can see an internal battle from some of your posts and I reviewed it and he sent me a link to some video material, etc., just on YouTube he'd found and I reviewed it and I said, do you know what? He's absolutely right. And then another guy um, just sends me a wee DM every now and again when he sees something just fraying at the edges because mine is pretty raw and pretty real. Um, and um, so I have a whole lot of wee people feeding back into me who aren't necessarily on exactly the same journey, but have enough interest in mine because, you know, I, I, I'm trying to do my best to share it with people um, who help me. But on my mentorship side, I'm a wee bit funny in that I'm looking for somebody who has to be on a similar journey, um, but have already done it. But I do understand your point is that sometimes, you know, somebody's really going really hard at business, you know, it might help actually to speak to somebody who's just more on the emotional side of things or maybe who's doing something in the arts just to bring a bit of perspective or put a different frame around it. Um, and I, I would certainly do that in relation to podcasts and, and some of the books that I listen to that, that, that just help me in that, in that sort of um, regard. I think it's interesting. Um, I, I was going to ask the question. I didn't get around to it. Like, mm-hmm. do do you get that kind of feedback? Like, does LinkedIn work as an accountability partner? I'm I'm kind of surprised, pleasantly surprised that yeah. people will reach out and go, Gavin, I think that's that's off peam or, or whatever. I, I would have assumed wrongly, it turns out, mm-hmm. that you get the big reaction when you say, I'm thinking of giving up and everyone goes, oh, don't Gavin, you can do it. You know, we believe in you and all that good stuff. But when you're, um, you know, doing something else that they'd say I, I think you've gone wrong here you know like I did yeah. it yeah. um recently uh very very similar um a, a web um company that uh, I use for web design mm-hmm. and for all sorts of things uh, and I went to them because I liked how honest the guy was I think you'd really like him actually mm-hmm. you should um, look him up uh the the company is Thrive Themes uh and he has a, a personal productivity blog. His name has just gone from me, but you, you'll find him easily mm-hmm. enough. Um, and he's real like that, straight talking, honest, uh, whatever else. And I went to them um, from another company because around Black Friday, 
um, people were asking him, you know, where where's the old Black Friday deals? And he said, mm-hmm. I don't do mm-hmm. Black Friday deals. And the reason I don't do it is because it's not fair to the people who paid full, full price the week before. Uh-huh. Um, I believe in our product. I believe in what we're doing and I believe it's worth the value. Um, so so that's why I don't do it. And I, I just it resonated with me. I thought that's I like that. I'm I'm in. Um, but then uh, he put up a YouTube video that they mm-hmm. created and I just thought that's that's not what I bought into. That's mm-hmm. the exact thing that everyone else does that I thought you guys mm-hmm. didn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I emailed him and I told him, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a, like holding to ransom. I'm yeah, leaving yeah, unless yeah, I just yeah, said, yeah. look, I just want to let you know that I'm a little bit disappointed as a customer who came for this reason that I think this video flies in the mm-hmm. face of everything that you kind of stand for. Now, yeah. In fairness to him, he came back and he he just disagreed with me in a you know, amicable mm-hmm. plight, mm-hmm. agree to disagree. And so we've both moved on. I'm still a customer. You know, he has his view on that particular video. I have mine. I have to say, they haven't posted another video like it since. So I, I kind of wonder, did it hit home with them afterwards? And, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. But um, that kind of, it's it's, I think you're doing something right if a random stranger cares enough about what you're doing to take the time to send you a message when there's nothing in it for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's the power of it. And look, I talk about it lots on on my podcast and different things like that, is when you can share your authentic journey, um, when people can hold you accountable, um, when you're doing your best every day, when you put your hand up when you get it wrong, when you share the success, when you get it right. And when you try and encourage other people to come on your journey, it's a powerful stuff. And it's all of that um, habit stuff that, we, that we've talked about. Um, and other people need to see, you know, successful people. Um, and there's nothing wrong with saying successful people. Successful people to see that they do it. And that's how they do it. Very, very quickly, last thing, because I know we'll be wrapping up now. When I was in my 20s, I had nobody. I was looking for somebody who could help me. And a guy called Dorian Yates, you've probably never heard of him. He was Mr. Universe or, um, seven times in a row or something like that back in the 1990s. And he was coming to Belfast after his latest Mr. Universe victory. And there was no real internet really at that time. And I said, I'm going to go and meet that guy. I need to find out. He's a world leader. I have never met somebody who's the best at anything in the world in my life. I wasn't a bodybuilder, by the way. I was yeah. just—he was just happened to be a guy. He's coming to Belfast, the Maysville Leisure Centre, and there were literally about twelve people at the event. I don't know how I'd made money for him, but maybe he was expecting more. And all the other guys were really beefy, real bodybuilders. And there was me. Uh, sometimes I was like a piece of um, celery that had been sitting out in the sun for too long, you know, in the middle of these big guys. And I just wanted to speak to him to understand. What makes him be the best? What is it that makes him be the best? I've still got a picture, a signed picture from him. I just went up and I spewed out all my stuff. I'm trying to sort my life out and I'm trying to drink less and blah, blah, blah. He just said to me three things. And this is a good wrap up to this episode, actually. He said three things, or three words, because he's a man of little, little words. He just said, Gavin, it's your choice. And I have used that three words. I end every single podcast I do with, it's your choice. Um, but there's nothing wrong with going speaking to Dorian Yates or going speaking to somebody else who's actually delivering it on a consistent basis and finding out how they do it. And then it's up to you. 
um that that is you're right it's the perfect way to wrap up yep. um the episode in the podcast and it, it's on point because everyone i've talked to so far that's what they do they go and they find the successful people and say you are very successful i'm inspired by you uh, can you can you talk to me and like that's part of this podcast as well that's why i reached out to you so that hopefully uh, anyone listening to this will will learn and learn that it is their choice and they can they can make that choice and go do it 100 percent. i love the honesty of gavin and uh and everything he's been through, I think we can all learn a lot from him. Um, if that's not too sanctimonious, that sounded a bit preachy. Sorry about that. Um, right, that's it for this week. Um, if you like the podcast, please share it. Tell people about it. Uh, like some of the social media posts or do anything you can to help spread the word. I would really appreciate it. And particularly if you could give it some stars. And really, really, if you could give it some comments. Um, because that helps drive the algorithm on iTunes or Spotify or anything else. So that more people see it. The more engagement there is, the more... Uh, the algorithm thinks this must be worth talking about if it's worth talking about it's worth listening to so if you could that would be really helpful uh, next week on the show we have a super guest he's one of the leading world researchers in habits and habit formation uh, he's behind most of the uh, most recent studies that are breaking ground on the science of how habits works i'm really delighted that he agreed to be on the show uh, it's a great episode i can't wait to share it with you uh, ben gardner sorry Dr. Ben Gardner is my guest on next week's uh, podcast. It's up on Thursday. Thank you and goodbye.